you have a question about your home, call Ken the Contractor. I've had my uh, drive paved, and uh, the, it seemed like it didn't bond, and I thought you'd be the one to call and ask uh, what I should do about it now before I have it paved again. Ken Patterson is a Class A licensed contractor, and now Ken the Contractor brings his years of experience to the radio. But more often than not, when we see something not bonding, it's uh, an issue in the preparation. Either it was too cool when it was laid, or the preparation wasn't quite right for it to bond like it should. But what you're describing to me is something that I don't see very often, just having a driveway come up in large clumps. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another hour of Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor, and he is here weekends at this time answering questions that are important to today's homeowner. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or you can email him questions to our website. That's KenTheContractor.com. Temperatures have warmed up. The economy is improving throughout much of our listening area, and a lot of you are out shopping for homes. Today we're going to talk a little bit about some of the pitfalls that you may encounter. I do this from time to time, but especially since we've moved into home buying and home building season, the time that so many people go out and contract with builders and developers to put homes up, that I want to cover some items not only that we've talked about before, I'm going to cite a couple of cases that uh, I have had some people contact me about recently, and I'm pleased to say that they've taken a lot of the advice that Ken the Contractor has put out on the air, and it has helped them. Even though they've had a bad situation, it has not been one that they were not in control of. So what I want to tell you is that just because you do everything right when buying a home does not mean that you have the best experience with your developer, your builder, the title company, or your lender. So many things are up to each of us as an individual to stay on top of and to be sure that when we complete this transaction that it's what we bought, we received the value we anticipated, and ultimately we received the service that we paid for, even if we have to be a little hard-nosed sometimes to make it happen. Folks, the industry is extremely tough. I don't mind telling you after decades of being in it, it is a very, very difficult industry. Yet there are many, many fine, high-quality contractors, lenders, realtors, title companies, law firms that will work diligently for you to do it correctly. So what I don't want you to do is take my statement or for any of those professionals that are out there as being a blanket statement for all. But I do need to to state one item, that just because a a company is bigger doesn't make them better. Recently, uh, a couple purchased a home or had a home built in the Carolinas with a large national home building company. This is one publicly traded. That tells you how big they are. They have stock on the New York Stock Exchange or they're traded there. But a company's only as good as the people that work for it. And because this company, in my experience, has so many layers of management that when it gets down to you, the people on the front line, signing the checks, signing the papers, building the house, making the decisions, that a lot of things fell through the crack. And as they moved through this process a few months ago, the project became less and less controlled and managed, even though they were doing what they should. They were made promises by the hands-on people that didn't occur. Even when they moved through closing, it was so disorganized by the closing company, by the contractor, by the title company, that they were basically being told, you need to sign this or we can't close for 30 days, even though we can't justify all of the money here. Now, I want to tell you something, folks. That is not a good deal. And that is not typical of what you should expect in the industry. You need to demand more. You should expect more. 
And if you're having those kinds of problems, this is when some of the pointers that I've shared with many of you come into play. And these folks have paid attention. They not only read the contract, and I know Jim teases me occasionally about reading all the fine print. Remember, Jim, the fine print. I know. But you read the fine print in the contract. You understand it clearly, and you abide by that. You go through, you make your product selections, your color selections. You do those things on time. You inspect your home weekly. You photograph your home constantly every time you're out there. And every communication you have with any of the people you're doing business with, and this will protect them as well, by the way. You do it in email. You do it by snail mail. You type that letter. You do something. Even if you have a verbal conversation, you sit down and you fire off an email or a letter that confirms that understand the meeting, the understanding that you have, and you give them a certain date to reply if they do not agree with your understanding of that meeting. Keep your papers. Do what you're supposed to do. The particular case in the Carolinas that I'm referring about to this one couple because they did these things, because they had pictures, because they had documentation, because every meeting they had gone through, they sent emails to confirm. The things they had issues with, there was absolutely no room for the builder or the developer to say, it's not our obligation. Right down to some things that in their contract they said, you watch these items. We will not correct them after you close. They are not covered under the warranty. They photograph drainage issues and other items, and the developer handled it after closing. But you know what? That legal contract says they did. They had no obligation to do it. So these are things that seem minor and seem mundane, but I have to share this with you so that all of you understand it is not an easy industry, and we don't want to have anybody taken advantage of. Well, you know, there's a good rule in uh, buying houses and other things. Everything's minor and mundane until you have to pay for it. Yeah, if you're writing the check... All of a sudden, it changes, doesn't it? It does. If all of a sudden that money's coming out of my pocket, it ain't minor and it ain't mundane. That's right. I want to tell you just by example, one other couple went through the same thing recently that has communicated with me in selling a property uh, in Virginia. They had some similar issues with the title company, of course, not with the builder or developer. So it doesn't matter, again, who you're dealing with. It is up to you as the individual to pay attention to the details and to stand your ground and there's no reason for anybody to get ugly about it. We never get anywhere with that. But, again, stand your ground, but also have the facts. You can't go in and say, I think, I believe, I feel. You have to be able to present the paperwork. When you do that, even bad situations tend to turn out pretty decent when it's all said and done. I want to hit on a couple of high points that I want you to pay attention to. These will be posted on the website later, kenthecontractor.com. That is, one, read all the fine print, as I said. Two, keep your contact uh, your contract dates. If you've got a commitment to make decisions, products, whatever, be sure you are not in breach of that. Recap all of your meetings, as I said a moment ago. Take dozens and dozens of pictures. You can't take too many. Be sure that you have an inspector working on your behalf. If you're not skilled at construction, you want to know you've got another pair of trained eyes that's independent from the builder, the architect, uh, the developer that's looking out for you. Also, you want to follow up with a site inspection at least weekly. You want to be there, and if you're out of town and building a house in another city, have your inspector check it for you and send you photographs. Develop, when you get near the end, your own written punch list. Now, the contractor and developer will do that, but you're going to see things differently than they do. So develop it with them or on your own, but be sure they're merged and the builder and contractor understand what your needs are and what your concerns are. Also, have them sign, meaning all of those other parties we've talked about, sign off on any changes or agreements that are made in the field. Even if it's a handwritten note on the back of a paper bag, get a signature by an authorized party that's there. 
And I guess I have to tell you, lastly, as for closing, be prepared for anything and everything. That's the best I can say. Don't be surprised at any surprises that come about. Take everything that you've got, your files with you, and be prepared to address questions you've never heard about or never dealt with. It's not easy. When it's all said and done, enjoy your home. Phone lines are open. If you have a question for Ken the Contractor, reach him anytime at 800-614-2975 or email your questions to KenTheContractor.com. Coming up in one half hour, Ken will tell you about an organization that's keeping an eye on the things that you want. And at the bottom of the hour, Ken will talk roofing during this week's one-on-one session. That's all coming up this hour on this edition of Ken the Contractor. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. You see our weekends at this time, taking your calls and answering your questions, the questions that are important to today's homeowner. I'm Joe Britton. If you'd like to join us, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or you can email questions to KenTheContractor.com. It may take Ken and our mailbag editor, Aaron Yoder, a while, but you will eventually get an answer. And Ken pulls out some of the more interesting questions and brings them to the radio for us to discuss each week. And Ken, this is an issue that Harold in Hagerstown, Maryland wrote you about that I think is very interesting because it's something that I looked at years ago when we put an addition onto our house. And that is, do you go out or do you go up? And it's very interesting when when you look into it and more and more people, particularly in large urban areas, are electing to go up and particularly in some larger buildings. I know some school systems that for years had been one level are now finding themselves landlocked, and they're starting to add on additional floors because, you know what, you can go up just as well as you can go out. Well, in some cases, and Harold's question is really quite timely given that we're in the the, the middle, I guess, or the, at least the very beginning, not the middle of the construction season up and down the East Coast and through many other parts of the country. And I do want to read the question for those of you. Jim's pretty well defined it, but he says, if you add a room by building up instead of out, is it better for resale value? So that's part of his question. It says, also, if we add a room to the ground floor, it will have to have a separate entrance. Then he goes on to says we would say we would like the windows all around uh, that would come with an upstairs room. So he's got several things that he's kicking around in terms of additional window space that he could have on four walls if he goes up with this addition. He understands that maybe it's a positive or a negative. I'm not sure from the question by having a separate entrance if he extends it outward. And then he's concerned about the resale value. Does one offer a greater potential for him to see a return on that investment than the other? But let's talk first about the options that you have. Not everyone has the opportunity to expand a structure outward. In some cases, regardless of your lot size, it depends on your house size, you may not be able to build outward, at least the size that you're looking for, without encroaching on your setbacks. If you're in a platted subdivision, almost all of you have setback criteria that you're going to have to deal with, and it's usually pretty tight meaning that houses are built to sort of fill up the void that's there within a subdivision. That's how the sizes are frequently determined. And they're not going to leave 30, 40, 50 feet on the side yard in most subdivisions where you can put a bedroom addition, a family room addition on. You may be able to extend into the backyard, which is typically where you'd have the greatest space for building before you hit a setback, but not your front yard. So that's important to all of you as you start thinking, do I want to go out or do I want to go up? First, do I even have the available room to go out? and meet all of the code and zoning criterias. Secondly, you want to look at how you live in the house and the impact that will have in what would become either a downstairs if you go up or the access point from this extension 
this addition to the home, how is that going to impact or influence the interior of my home? Do I have other load-bearing walls to move? Do I have substantial construction or structural issues I have to deal with? So those are, I'm just giving you some quick items that I want you to think about. When we go up, the biggest item we have there is the fact that most homes do not have foundation systems designed to carry all of the additional load. And depending on where you live, your live load, your dead load could equate to 100 pounds per square foot of additional loading when you build that additional floor. Now, in some cases, some municipalities, city, counties, states, under the zoning ordinance or the building codes, when the house was built, the footings may be large enough, but an engineer is going to have to evaluate that. If not, you're going to have to transfer that load to load-bearing points, to columns, to pads. That becomes very costly. All of these things can be dealt with. I don't want to discourage you. I'm just saying there are more questions than what Harold's ask here for you to evaluate. You need an engineer. You need an architect. Now, I want to go back to some of the things that he's asked specifically when it comes to resale value, number one, going out versus going up. Because in new construction, building out the square foot, the contact area with the ground is more costly in most markets than going up you will probably see a little more value added by an appraiser at a later date to do so. On a retrofit basis, though, it can actually cost you more to go up than to go out. So if I had the room, I probably would look at expanding out if I could make the the redesign work for me and work for the way my family lived in the house versus going up. And I know, Jim, you said that was something you toyed with years ago. Well, you know, and it is interesting because I've seen someone who did go up and talk to them about it and the big concern that seems to be, from a layman's point of view, is just the overall structural elements, and that is the structural soundness. Uh, but the big issue that we're getting into now, something we talk about on this program quite a bit, universal living, and that is that second floor, which was pretty much standard in home building for many years in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, is just not as desirable today. Well, the reason it is still desirable in some markets, but the reason it is, as I said, is because going up in new construction is cheaper than going out. But on a retrofit, I typically find it's the other way around. But again, it does restrict your access in that home, and it can hinder you on resale for someone saying, I need more of a barrier-free home. Even though you may have a single set of steps up to a floor that's on a crawl space, that's easy to deal with in terms of ramps and some other fairly inexpensive items, but going to a second floor is not. Elevators, chairlifts are costly where you get into the thousands of dollars. So these are all things, Harold, for you and others to think about. Again, I think on resale in most markets, you'd probably find that a little more value could be assigned to that if it's single story versus going up on the second floor. And then you're talking about the windows. Clearly, these are things you have to work out in design with your architect, with your engineer, with your interior designer. And if this is something that's important to you, then I'd suggest to you that you do go back and go up. But you need to put all these things on a piece of paper, as I constantly tell folks. You need to evaluate it when you've got your wish list and then apply dollars to it. And for you, apply a value. Because if you're going to stay in this home for a long period of time, and most of us that would expand, that would spend this kind of money to add on, up, or out to our home, we're going to be there for a while. That's our plan. So build what you need without as much concern for the resale. Now, for those of you saying, I want to put something on, hope it improves my value because we're moving in two years, that's a different story. But if you're going to be there a long time, I wouldn't pay as much attention to resale as I would, how do I want to live in my home and is it worth it to me? That's Harold from Hagerstown, Maryland. Let's go to Cass, West Virginia now with George. And this one deals with some hardscaping outside. 
All right, George says, what's the correct way to prepare the ground for a brick pathway so that it stays level and even for a long period of time? Well, he goes on. I have to add this because there's some other things. He said, I obviously didn't do it right the first time. All right, George, I appreciate you being honest and candid about that because a lot of us aren't. There are a lot of different ways to do it. You can start out on the very high end, George, as we would do in the commercial world where actually there is a concrete slab poured over compacted ground before brick pavers in many cases are installed on commercial walks because, frankly, of the liability, the maintenance. When you put brick pavers down, you want them to stay there. You've got the general public using them. You don't want people tripping, getting hurt. It's not the same as just doing something on your own for your personal use in your own backyard. Much greater liability. So that's the extreme end, and most of us in our homes are not going to spend that kind of money and go to that extent. What you have from a homeowner standpoint that's pretty practical, one is to properly prepare the ground, meaning remove the topsoil, get to your clay or your compacted base that's at that point, put some crusher-run stone or stone dust in and compact that, get it tight, then come back and put your brick in a form. If you're doing it where you've got grout or sand, there are a lot of different styles. You can put that down, lay it, but be sure that stone is thoroughly compacted. And for some of you that are living in areas where you have very sandy soil, you may actually have to put a stabilization material on top of that, mix even some cement in with the sand to make it much harder. And that would be termed in loosely a soil cement. And then come back with your brick. You can always reach Ken the Contractor at KenTheContractor.com or 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. Along with Ken the Contractor, Ken Patterson, I'm Jim Britt. Do you have a question about your home, inside or out? You can always reach Ken at 1-800-614-2975. That's 1-800-614-2975. Or you can email him questions at our website, KenTheContractor.com. Time now for one-on-one with Ken the Contractor. Each week, Ken brings you information about products and services from companies and experts he interviews during his travels, all to make your life better and to provide options and save you money. Our next guest is Sue Burkett. Sue is with Owens Corning. Now, many of you recognize that name. In fact, most of you probably recognize that name, perhaps having purchased insulation, roofing materials, weatherproofing, air infiltration barriers, house wrap, you name it. They have so many products that I have used over the decades, and all of you have in one fashion or another. Sue, welcome to today's show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Glad you could join us today. With all that said, all the products that our listeners are familiar with, you're going to talk about something that a lot of people don't always think about, but especially some new programs that you have, and that has to do with Owens Corning's roofing. Absolutely. The shingle products. Absolutely. And talk to us a little bit uh, about roofing. Again, it's out of sight for most of us. We see it when we come and go to our home, but beyond that, we don't think anything of it until a neighbor says part of it's blown away or I have a roof leak. So talk to us a little bit about some things we should be paying attention to when it comes to our shingles. Sure, absolutely. What Owens Corning realizes, based on a lot of homeowner research, is that people who may have an inkling they need a new roof, delay, delay, delay. A lot of times they don't know exactly what the warning signs are. So it's really important for us to help them understand that, because if they wait too long, this is going to be a much bigger problem. A, a, a roofing issue is not going to go away. It is going to get a lot worse. So... We, you know, we on our website we have um, a checklist, and many of the items that you should look for would be some obvious things like the curling or the buckling of a roof of the shingles at the edges. You could have 
blistering, which would be what it sounds like. You could have um, a, a significant loss of granules, so you might have bald spots on your shingles. Um, and, and let me take a second to say we'd like you to inspect the roof, but please do it safely. Roofing is really better left to professionals. So many of these things you can see from standing on the ground or by safely looking out a window in a second story. Well, I'll also give you a little hint that many professionals use. I'm one of them, especially on multi-story roofs, and that's a pair of binoculars. Okay. Not high-powered, <laughs> uh-huh. but some low-powered binoculars. You can see your flashing details. You can inspect the roofing. So for all of you who are thinking, I may have a bad roof, but I don't want to climb up on the ladder, Either borrow, if you don't own one, or use your own pair of binoculars and inspect that roof from the ground. Yep, absolutely. And the other thing that's really easy is if you're in a neighborhood where the houses are all built about the same time and many of your roofs, your neighbors are getting new roofs, it's probably a sign that you should look at your roof. They're, they're probably wearing at about the same pace. All right, now, if I've inspected my roof and I'm saying, okay, I think maybe it's time to be doing something different. Again, my neighbors are replacing it, or I'm seeing some of these telltale signs you're talking about, some bald spots, some cracked shingles, some areas that are missing, maybe not leaking, but I still have shingles missing some of the tabs. How can Owens Corning help me? Well, you know, where do I go from here? Well, you really should contact a professional. And Owens Corning does have a network of what we call preferred contractors. Now, these are contractors. They're independent contractors, but they go through a very tough screening process to be one of our preferred contractors. So this is not just a roofing company that has called up and said, hey, I'd like to put your shingles on for customers in this region. No. You've gone through a vetting process. Absolutely. And it's a pretty tough process. They have to be in business at least three years. They have to have not had a bankruptcy in the last seven, and we pull a Dun, Dun & Bradstreet credit report on them. So it's pretty tough criteria to, to get into this program. Uh, we do not charge them. This isn't a pay-as-you-go. They truly have to meet this criteria to be recognized by Owens Corning as a preferred contractor. You're doing a lot of the homework that I caution most of our listeners to do on their own, and that is look for their experience, references, insurance, Uh, proper license in their locality, all of those items, before you put your name on them, you know they're by the book. Absolutely. And you can find all of these preferred contractors on the Owens Corning website. It's run by zip code. You put, it's really easy to do. Put your zip code in and it will bring up the list of preferreds in your neighborhood. And once you get to that page, some of them have taken extra steps for training. They have um, declared themselves as recycling shingles. They've taken the Owens Corning recycling pledge. So once you get in there and see the list, there are some additional layers uh, that would be of interest. Now, are these contractors a specialty trade with only certain types of shingles, or are they certified then to put down every shingle that Owens Corning manufactures? Really, they can put down any shingle that Owens Corning manufactures. I think you mentioned to me that there is a unique property to the website that I think a lot of our listeners will love, because most of us have a hard time envisioning a finished product. Right. Well, I think for many homeowners, when they realize they need a new roof, the first reaction is dread. And this isn't going to be fun, and how do I find a contractor? So we've talked about how to go and find a contractor. Next, it's doing a little homework. If you go on the Owens Corning website, we have a visualization software called Design IQ. And, and in essence, you're going to try on a roof. Um, when In research, when we talk to homeowners, they'll look at our brochures and they'll say, oh, these brochures are really pretty, but my house doesn't look exactly like that. Well, we've solved it. You can upload a photograph of your own house, mask off your areas, and apply all the different colors and shapes and styles of the shingle. So you truly are trying on a shingle before you have 
have to make that investment in real life. That is unique. So for those of you that want to try different colors, but you don't want to make that investment and you certainly don't want to be changing roofing products every year or two, this is a chance to sit at your computer and see what these different colors and styles will look like in real life, real time, on your home based on the photo that you upload. Sue, we certainly appreciate you being with us today. The products that Owens Corning has to offer have been tremendous for a number of years. As a builder, I've used so many of those products and highly recommend to all of you. Visit the website and tell us again where they can find all these things you're talking about. OwensCorning.com. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. That's one-on-one with Ken the Contractor, as Ken brings you information about products and services from companies and experts in the industry all to make your life better, provide options, and save money. And, Ken, when we put together the list of most frequently asked questions to this program, roofing is always literally right on top. Always at the top. Fencing, roofing, and a few other items, but those two typically are in a number one, number two position. And for you to have an opportunity to deal with a manufacturer who has pre-qualified the roofers, go to their website, find a roofer by zip code, regardless of where you're listening, and know that the manufacturer stands behind that, that's pretty unique in today's industry. I think one of the other items that she talked about that's very unique is that you can see your home with not only new shingles as far as color but style long before you write a check and spend a dollar. So check out the website. You can find out more by going to our website. You know, if you go to KenTheContractor.com, right on the front page you'll find Ken's Toolbox, and that has information on roofing, masonry, electrical questions, all right there. And also, when you do go to KenTheContractor.com, you can click on and listen to podcasts of recent programs. You can always forward a question to Ken through KenTheContractor.com, or you can reach him anytime at 800-614-2975. Once again, that's our contact number. Jot it down and keep it handy when you have a question about your home inside or out. It's 800-614-2975. We'll be right back with more. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. Along with Ken the Contractor, Ken Patterson, I'm Jim Britt. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? You can always reach Ken at 1-800-614-2975. That's 1-800-614-2975. Or you can email him questions at our website, kenthecontractor.com. Time now for one-on-one with Ken the Contractor. Each week, Ken brings you information about products and services from companies and experts he interviews during his travels, all to make your life better and to provide options and save you money. Our next guest is Sue Burkett. Sue is with Owens Corning. Now, many of you recognize that name. In fact, most of you probably recognize that name, perhaps having purchased insulation, roofing materials, weatherproofing, air infiltration barriers, house wrap, you name it. They have so many products that I have used over the decades, and all of you have in one fashion or another. Sue, welcome to today's show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Glad you could join us today. With all that said, all the products that our listeners are familiar with, you're going to talk about something that a lot of people don't always think about, but especially some new programs that you have, and that has to do with Owens Corning's roofing. Absolutely. The shingle products. Absolutely. And talk to us a little bit uh, about roofing. Again, it's out of sight for most of us. We see it when we come and go to our home, but beyond that, we don't think anything of it until a neighbor says part of it's blown away or I have a roof leak. So talk to us a little bit about some things we should be paying attention to when it comes to our shingles. Sure, absolutely. What Owens Corning realizes, based on a lot of homeowner research, is that people who may have an inkling they need a new roof, delay, delay, delay. A lot of times they don't know exactly what the warning signs are. So it's really important for us to help them understand that because if they wait too long, this is going to be a much bigger problem. A, a, a roofing issue is not going to go away. It is going to get a lot worse. 
So we, you know, we on our website we have um, a checklist, and many of the items that you should look for would be some obvious things like the curling or the buckling of a roof of the shingles at the edges. You could have blistering, which would be what it sounds like. You could have um, a, a significant loss of granules, so you might have bald spots on your shingles. Um, and, and let me take a second to say we'd like you to inspect the roof, but please do it safely. Roofing is really better left to professionals. So many of these things you can see from standing on the ground or by safely looking out a window in a second story. Well, I'll also give you a little hint that many professionals use. I'm one of them, especially on multi-story roofs, and that's a pair of binoculars. Okay. Not high-powered, <laughs> uh-huh. but some low-powered binoculars. You can see your flashing details. You can inspect the roofing. So for all of you who are thinking, I may have a bad roof, but I don't want to climb up on the ladder, Either borrow if you don't own one or use your own pair of binoculars and inspect that roof from the ground. Yep, absolutely. And the other thing that's really easy is if you're in a neighborhood where the houses are all built about the same time and many of your roofs, your neighbors are getting new roofs, it's probably a sign that you should look at your roof. They're, they're probably wearing at about the same pace. All right, now, if I've inspected my roof and I'm saying, okay, I think maybe it's time to be doing something different. Again, my neighbors are replacing it, or I'm seeing some of these telltale signs you're talking about, some bald spots, some cracked shingles, some areas that are missing, maybe not leaking, but I still have shingles missing some of the tabs. How can Owens Corning help me? Well, you know, where do I go from here? Well, you really should contact a professional. And Owens Corning does have a network of what we call preferred contractors. Now, these are contractors. They're independent contractors. But they go through a very tough screening process to be one of our preferred contractors. So this is not just a roofing company that has called up and said, hey, I'd like to put your shingles on for customers in this region. No. You've gone through a vetting process. Absolutely. And it's a pretty tough process. They have to be in business at least three years. They have to have not had a bankruptcy in the last seven, and we pull a Dun, Dun & Bradstreet credit report on them. So it's pretty tough criteria to, to get into this program. Uh, we do not charge them. This isn't a pay-as-you-go. They truly have to meet this criteria to be recognized by Owens Corning as a preferred contractor. You're doing a lot of the homework that I caution most of our listeners to do on their own, and that is look for their experience, references, insurance, Uh, proper license in their locality, all of those items, before you put your name on them, you know they're by the book. Absolutely. And you can find all of these preferred contractors on the Owens Corning website. It's run by zip code. You put It's really easy to do. Put your zip code in, and it will bring up the list of preferreds in your neighborhood. And once you get to that page, some of them have taken extra steps for training. They have um, declared themselves as recycling shingles. They've taken the Owens Corning Recycling Pledge. So once you get in there and see the list, there are some additional layers uh, that would be of interest. Now, are these contractors a specialty trade with only certain types of shingles, or are they certified then to put down every shingle that Owens Corning manufactures? Really, they can put down any shingle that Owens Corning manufactures. I think you mentioned to me that there is a unique property to the website that I think a lot of our listeners will love, because most of us have a hard time envisioning a finished product. Right. Well, I think for many homeowners, when they realize they need a new roof, the first reaction is dread. And this isn't going to be fun, and how do I find a contractor? So we've talked about how to go and find a contractor. Next, it's doing a little homework. If you go on the Owens Corning website, we have a visualization software called Design IQ. And and in essence, you're going to try on a roof. 
Um, when in research, when we talk to homeowners, they'll look at our brochures and they'll say, oh, these brochures are really pretty, but my house doesn't look exactly like that. Well, we've solved it. You can upload a photograph of your own house, mask off your areas, and apply all the different colors and shapes and styles of the shingle. So you truly are trying on a shingle before you have to make that investment in real life. That is unique. So for those of you that want to try different colors, but you don't want to make that investment and you certainly don't want to be changing roofing products every year or two, this is a chance to sit at your computer and see what these different colors and styles will look like in real life, real time, on your home based on the photo that you upload. Sue, we certainly appreciate you being with us today. The products that Owens Corning has to offer have been tremendous for a number of years. As a builder, I've used so many of those products and highly recommend to all of you. Visit the website and tell us again where they can find all these things you're talking about. OwensCorning.com. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. That's one-on-one with Ken the Contractor, as Ken brings you information about products and services from companies and experts in the industry all to make your life better, provide options, and save money. And, Ken, when we put together the list of most frequently asked questions to this program, roofing is always, literally, right on top. Always at the top. Fencing, roofing, and a few other items, but those two typically are in a number one, number two position. And for you to have an opportunity to deal with a manufacturer who has pre-qualified the roofers, go to their website, find a roofer by zip code, regardless of where you're listening, and know that the manufacturer stands behind that, That's pretty unique in today's industry. I think one of the other items that she talked about that's very unique is that you can see your home with not only new shingles as far as color but style long before you write a check and spend a dollar. So check out the website. You can find out more by going to our website. You know, if you go to KenTheContractor.com, right on the front page, you'll find Ken's toolbox. And that has information on roofing, masonry, electrical questions, all right there. And also, when you do go to KenTheContractor.com, you can click on and listen to podcasts of recent programs. You can always forward a question to Ken through KenTheContractor.com, or you can reach him anytime at 800-614-2975. Once again, that's our contact number. Jot it down and keep it handy when you have a question about your home inside or out. It's 800-614-2975. We'll be right back with more. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back to Ken the Contractor. Every weekend at this time, Ken is right here answering questions that are important to today's homeowner. If you have a question about your home inside or out, you can always be part of the program by dialing 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or you can email your questions to KenTheContractor.com. Ken's going to be talking uh, about well water in just a moment. But first, time now for In the News. And this is where Ken brings you products, trends, and services that are important to make you in to make informed decisions about your home maintenance, remodeling, and new construction. And today we're going to be talking about trends. Yeah, we are. And one of the things that we don't think about, maybe we do, is is Big Brother watching? Well, in this case, I want to bring to you some information from a company called Tonig, T-O-N-I-G, Trending. This is a professional company that simply tracks our age groups, what we buy, what we do, and then they will let us know a little bit. And I'm going to share some of this with you what manufacturers are doing with this data and how it affects us in our and our buying habits and the things that we have at our disposal when it comes to renovating or, or home maintenance or all the things that make our life a little easier around the house. Follow me for just a moment and see where you fall in this. I want to take some of us back a little bit to what's called the silent generation. Those are folks typically born in the 1925 to 1945 period for a lot, and we may be in this category, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents even. And this certainly is an aging part of the population, and if we're lucky, we're all getting there one day at a time. 
But I want you to listen to these categories, and then we're going to talk about them in just a few moments. So if you're in that retired group uh, in that particular time frame, you've got unique needs from your children, your grandchildren, or maybe your great-grandchildren for that matter. Then then a, a phrase that we've all heard for so many years, the baby boomers. The baby boomers fall into a period of 1946 to 1965. And so, yeah, I just stepped on a nerve with some of you, didn't I? You're saying, I'm in that group. And this was a shockwave generation, once was the largest in the U.S. history, 75 million boomers. And it started, and we are today, they're starting what's referred to now as the golden boomer era. I don't know that some of us like that, but again, this is how the marketing people view us. And that's why I want you to understand a few of these things. Some of the guys, by the way, and gals that are into the golden boomer era how about some of the folks from the Rolling Stones here? Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, and others, 69 years old. Now, the other thing that the survey tells us that for the boomers, those of us that I just talked about, and I'm in that category, that we are now the new 30. That's what is being told to them, according to Pew Research. The baby boomers believe also that old age starts at 72. I've often wondered when I would be old. So if I make it to 72, now I know that. That is old, and supposedly, Jim, you and I are in the new 30s group. i got to tell you, and this, whenever this discussion comes up, I think of an episode of the TV series. I don't know if you ever watched JAG. Yes. And they had a particular episode where there was a group of uh, World War II vets who were getting involved and in trying to deal with some guys who were drug trafficking and messing around with their relatives. And I just remember Ernest Borgnine at the end of the episode where somebody told him to act his age. And I thought he had a great line, and he was talking to um, David James Elliott's character, Commander Harmon Rapp, and he said, Commander, do you feel old? Do you feel different than you do when you're 13 or 14? He said, the only difference is you can't do things as quickly as you once did, but he said, you don't feel old whether you're 40, 60, 80. And for some reason, that has always stuck with me, that you're only as old as you feel you are. Now, every once in a while, we may have to make some concessions to Father Time, that there are just some things that we can't do as much or as well uh, anymore. But I don't know that you ever start to feel old. Well, I would agree with that, and I think most people that I've talked with, whether they're in their 20s or in their 70s, will tell you the same thing. But it's the trends and what manufacturers are watching and where we have some buying power and some things that sometimes those of us say, it's not available, you know, I'm not going to ask about it. I don't want you to take that attitude anymore, regardless of what age group you find yourself in, because we're hopefully all going to move through this. And then there's another age group out here referred to, I guess, as the tech boomers. And these are the folks getting a little older out there as well, but they're the people that started the tech age, if you will. Some of the research that was done, these are 56 to 65-year-old people they're still spending today 36 and a half hours online each month, and they spend $2.9 trillion, that's trillion dollars a year. So for those that say, you know, I'm 50 years old, I'm building a home, I don't need to worry about technology, or if you have a contractor or an architect saying that, you need to put them back in their place saying, you're on the cutting edge of high tech as well as some of the 20-somethings that are out there today. You may not exhibit that you're a certain age, but the way in which you spend your money oftentimes is a big issue for for these companies. And then we move on to, I guess, Gen X and Gen Y. Gen X we hear about recently, 65 to 84 that's out there, and then the Gen Y is the 82, 1982 to 2002 generation. 
The reason I bring this up, I want you to get a feel for where you are if you don't know. But what I want you to understand is that Tonig Trending and others look at where we are as a nation. They track what we spend. That's the reason you go into these stores. They'll ask you for phone numbers, ask you for zip codes. They won't typically ask you for your age, but they're tracking the demographic information. This data goes back to manufacturers. They buy these this data, and in turn, they look at what you're buying. You just left big box store A, and you came out with all kinds of fertilizer. You bought lumber. You bought a particular type of hardware. And they're saying, well, if we're selling this and we're selling it to this population group or living in this location, we're going to pay more attention to what their needs are. So when we respond, when you respond to your builder, to your architect, to your developer, and you say, is this available? I'd like to have this in my home. I'd like to put this on as part of my retrofit. If it's not available, gradually this information gets back, and we see the changes in manufacturing where they are listening to us. You really have the ear of the people that design and build these products. You make a big statement with your dollars. You really do. Uh, quick mailbag here uh, before we wrap up the hour, and this is from Cheryl in Charlottesville, Ken. She's got an issue with drinking water, and it comes from her well. And she said, my husband and I recently bought an old farmhouse in the country. The water well worked during our inspection, but in the last few weeks has become sandy at times. Are we going to have to sink a new well, or do we need a filter or what? We've always lived where we had city water. We don't know much about wells. Any suggestions? Well, there's probably some good and some bad news here, Cheryl. First, I would tell you that I wouldn't be overly alarmed unless this is occurring on a constant basis. What happens, especially if you go through a dry period in your area, if the aquifer drops a little bit, and if you're drawing excessive amount of water, meaning maybe you're irrigating your yard, your garden, washing car, washing clothes, got shower running at the same time, if you're pulling a lot of water out frequently and rapidly, sometimes we'll see a little sand or, or other deposits that will be drawn up with that. If you watch how you use that water and you're not getting any sandy deposits, then you really don't have an issue. If you go beyond that and you continue to have issues with sand in the water, you may consult a company about a filter, but you may have to get a well expert in and look at the casing and be sure there hasn't been a collapse somewhere down inside your well. If you have a question for Ken, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. You can friend us on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and also follow us on Twitter at Ken Answers. And you can always email questions to the website. That's Ken the Contractor. Com. Again, our contact number is 800-614-2975. That'll wrap up this hour of Ken the Contractor. Ken the Contractor, the program where folks go for professional answers. If you have a question about your home, inside or out, you can always reach us at 800-614-2975 or reach us online at kenthecontractor.com. And don't forget to check out the website, kenthecontractor.com. A lot of helpful information about your home inside or out. It's available 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. You're listening to Ken the Contractor.